everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Bibliotherapy for Black Women podcast. I'm your host, Amaka, and I hope everyone who's listening is doing well. It is a Sunday when I am recording, and I am at my desk looking out my window. It's a beautiful day. (laughs) I'm giggling because this has kind of become how I open my podcast without really planning for it. But I like to paint a picture. I like to paint a picture since you can't see me. um, I like to kind of put a picture together of what I'm probably doing in, in the moments of recording. So yeah, I'm in my bedroom. Um, I have a really big window in front of me and my desk is right, like it's uh, set in front of the window. I have a big flower in front of me that I kind of like look at sometimes to get lost in my thoughts. Um, And then outside of the window, I have a very nice view of downtown in the little city that I live in. So... um, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing right now. And I literally just woke up maybe 20 minutes ago. It's 9 a.m. as I am recording right now. And just tried to psych myself up. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, it's time to record. Let's get this going. <laughs> Sometimes I have to psych myself up. I don't know what it is about recording especially having you know done this for a couple months now I would say that it is such a satisfying feeling of accomplishment when I have scheduled the episode to publish like I just I have nothing else to do and then I get the notification the day of, whether it's the first of the month or the 15th of the month that the episode has been published. It's like, oh, I've done it. I've done it again. But sometimes it's kind of hard to get the momentum going again with recording a new episode, but I I just get up and I just do it. I just have to do it. Sometimes I delay a little bit. I might want to do it a day prior and I don't do it, but... I eventually get there. I'm like, we have a job to do. And it's not really a job. Like, I actually love doing this. I have realized that I love putting my thoughts out there based off of the books that I'm reading and, you know, kind of giving folks a little glimpse into what I'm going through with life and and um, lessons I'm learning, whether from the books or just from life in general. So I'm really enjoying it. And I say all that to say, I am sitting down (laughs) um, recording now, and I'm not going to get up until I finish. So how did my week go? We're rounding out the weekend. Um, I usually have Friday and Saturday off along with Sunday. Thankfully, that's that's kind of how my schedule is. That's how it's been for the past few months, and that's how it'll continue to be into the holidays. And then I am going to be starting a new job 
in a couple months in a different state. So that is a big, big transition that's going to be happening soon. And with that job comes moving. And with moving comes planning for the move and coordinating what's going to be packed when, what's going to be thrown out, what's going to be donated. Like, I'm starting to think of all those things. Um, Not my favorite things to do, although I am not new to moving. I'm not new to moving. This might be my sixth or seventh move in the last 10 years. So I'm not new to it, but it's never, it doesn't get easier. It doesn't, it doesn't get easier, but I've kind of resigned to the um, fact that you just, I don't know, like, this is just a personal thought of mine that like our generation doesn't really have the luxury of getting too attached to a place and we have to go where their jobs are um I feel like that was more true for me when I was younger um but with the experience that I have built over the years. I'm at a point where I can be a little bit pickier of where I want to work, and I really appreciate that. So I'm not moving far. I'm literally just moving to the neighboring state. Um, But a move is a move, you know? If I have to pack up my life and transport it, it's, it's a big deal. It's a move. So I'm getting my mind wrapped around that and the logistics of what will go into that. I'm very much leaning nowadays into not stressing myself when it comes to moving. So if I feel like, I'm I'm very much leaning into not stressing myself in general with things. If I'm able to afford it, I'm going to do it. So I don't know if I'm going to hire people for the move so I'm not stressed out or if I'm going to see if friends and family can help. But regardless, I might just do the whole, you know, call up the professional movers because I'm not trying to be stressed about moving, you know. When I, let me tell you a little story. When I um, moved from... Philly to Connecticut. I I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was about me. Sometimes when I think back to that move, I get a little sad because I did it all by myself and part of me felt like I couldn't ask anybody. I don't know. Um it kind of makes me a little sad, but I remember I rented a U-Haul, like the 10-footer. And I had already packed the, the the night before I was set to drive the U-Haul from Philly to Connecticut. I packed it up with all my stuff. And I think someone, I think, helped me pack some of the things into the U-Haul. But I think I, think I did pretty much all of it by myself. 
if I if I remember correctly, because I was living with roommates and you know we all had different schedules. If if my roommate was home, maybe she helped me a little bit, but I think I did majority of it by myself, if not all of it. So yeah, I packed up the U-Haul the the day before I was supposed to leave. <clears throat> And then I found a place to park it where it wouldn't, you know, be in any, like, in the in the way of any, like, streets or anything like that. I found, like, kind of like a corner that was just big enough just to have the U-Haul sit there. And then I woke up in the morning. And I had to psych myself up. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And I drove the U-Haul from Philly to... Um, Connecticut and it got to a point where it was raining and I was on 95 going through New Jersey or something I don't remember and I was like oh my god god just get me to Connecticut in one piece because you know this is a U-Haul and I had to go at like a snail's pace because it's raining and I don't want anything to happen but I got to Connecticut in one piece thankfully and it was still raining when I had to unload everything into the apartment. So <laughs> I had a hoodie on or whatever. Thankfully, it wasn't pouring. It was almost pouring when I was driving, so I had to go hella slow. But by the time I got to the apartment, it was still it was heavier than a drizzle, but it wasn't like a downpour. So I just dealt with it and got everything into the apartment as quickly as I could. And um, I did nothing at the apartment. I just dumped everything in my room and sent the U-Haul back to the uh, U-Haul location in town where I was moving and then hopped on the train, made my way back to Philly. So, yeah, just one of my tales of moving. My most recent one? No, no, because I have moved earlier this year. I moved within the town that I lived in. But prior to that, my last major move was that move. So, yeah, I don't want to go through stress like that. I don't. Um, We'll see what happens this time around. I'm not afraid to ask for help. I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask a couple of people. If it doesn't work out, totally okay. I'm going to figure out how I can use professional movers to, you know, get the ball rolling. So, yeah, that's something that's happening with me soon, in a couple of months. Um, I don't know how many folks listened back to, I'm not, I don't remember exactly the episode, but there was an episode that I did recently that I talked about transitions and big decisions having to be made. That's it's kind of some of the stuff I was talking about. So I just wanted to mention that everyone is dealing with something big and everyone's dealing with problems that need to be solved. I mean, this isn't a problem. A new job in um, a different city, though this city is not new to me. I'm very much familiar with it, but I'm moving to it for a new reason. So 
it's a good it's a good I won't classify it as a problem it's a it's a challenge it's a new challenge I'm embarking on but it doesn't take away from the fact that there is a little bit of nervousness there um dare I say a little bit of angst I don't want to say anxiety I don't I don't feel I don't feel anxiety about it but there is some nervousness in there just you know around having to transition over again again even though um it's something I've had to do often over the past decade or so, but it doesn't really get easier. But I know that it's it's a, it's a long time coming, long enough. So I am, I'm feeling like it's the right next step. I don't know if I would say I'm excited. I think there is a little bit of excitement, but I'm feeling more so like, yes, this is the next right step for me. So that's that's something pretty significant that's going on with me right now. Um, yeah, this past week was pretty work focused. I am in the process of transitioning between cohorts for my um, precepting position. So it's a 12 week assignment for the semester, but I am, I'm going to be um, teaching four cohorts in total. So I, I teach during the first six weeks, which are in the process of ending. Um, no, actually, that's not true. The first six weeks have officially ended for cohort one, which is two groups for me. Um, so now I have met my first group of cohort B and I'm going to meet my second group of cohort B tomorrow. I'm not going to go too much into right now how precepting has been for me. I'm actually in the next podcast. The next podcast is not going to be book focused. The next episode, I'm just going to kind of talk. I have been feeling like just having an episode where I just turn on the microphone and just kind of chat with you guys and just tell you what's going on a little bit more detail um musings that have come to me and lessons and kind of like reflections so I'll talk a little bit more about how I think the precepting experience has gone so far with the students that I um uh, ended their clinical experience with last week, amongst other things. I also work as a nurse one day a week at a behavioral health center, and I'm actually going to use an example of um, an instance that happened a couple weeks ago in the podcast today to um, talk about boundaries at work. So, yeah, I wouldn't say anything really crazy happened this week. Um, and, and looking into next week, I don't anticipate anything out of the ordinary. Oh, but I did have a couple of milestones happen. I had um, a dear family member have a birthday and I made her a chocolate cake 
a three-layer chocolate cake. And it was my second time making the chocolate cake, but I was nervous because um, these are one of the most important people to me, and I did not want that cake to flop. So I made sure I had all the ingredients. I was like, before I made the cake, like the days leading up to her birthday, I was like, am I going to make the cake here at home, or am I going to bring everything to... um, their home. I ended up just bringing everything to their home. I brought my KitchenAid mixer. I brought my baking tools. I brought like all like the baking ingredient staples. And I woke up early, like around eight. Um, things are usually pretty chill at the house for most of the morning. So I knew that if I woke up, I would have a few hours before everyone else started like, you know, uh, waking up and coming down to the kitchen and things like that. So I made the cake and it came out great. It was a hit. It was a chocolate cake, three layers, and it was a chocolate Swiss meringue buttercream frosting, which was delicious. I was so proud of myself with that buttercream. I made it before, but this, I I did use different chocolate chips for the chocolate um, inclusion into the Swiss meringue, and I think that's what made it taste so good. I was so happy. Everyone loved the cake. Like, um, people were going for seconds, and I was too. It was it was so good. So. That was probably the highlight of my week, you know, just making that cake. It was a labor of love. It was a gift for the birthday celebrant. Um, It was very much appreciated and everyone loved it. So, um, yeah, that was good. That's going to be a memory that I'm going to have for a very long time. So I think I'm going to transition into the book now. (laughs) I've talked about myself for enough for this episode. I have finished Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And this book, I feel like I've said it before, but I think it's worth repeating. This book is worth having. It's worth purchasing. I have, I'm, I'm rounding out this series with this episode. So it is indeed three parts. But I have not even scratched the surface of the information that's in this book. I am just picking out what resonated with me the most. But, you know, like I said in the past, I am I'm one person. I'm speaking through my perspectives. So what is resonating with me, I don't anticipate is going to resonate with everybody. So I think that... If you feel like, I think everyone should have this book, but I'm not going to put that on everybody. If you want to enhance your relationship with people, if you want to enhance your interpersonal relationships and you want to enhance your relationship with yourself, I think this book will contribute a lot to that journey, you know? I don't think that 
it's all encompassing in terms of what you need. But when it comes to boundaries, boundaries is just one part of having successful relationships with people and with yourself. If you feel like you need some support with that, this book, I feel like can only help you. I feel like it can only help you. You might not take everything that it says. Everything might not apply to you. You might not even agree with everything, you know, but I feel like there's always going to be one or two or more things that you get out of this book if you buy it. And if it's only one or two or three things that you are able to apply to your daily life, I think that is worth having it. Because any tools, any strategies, I personally believe, no matter how small, that can improve your daily life are, are tremendous, are tremendous. You know, it doesn't, you don't need to have any huge monumental, monumental shifts in day-to-day life. I would even venture to say, I would even venture to say, you don't really have time. Most of us don't have time to have monumental changes in our daily lives. And having that feeling like we have to commit to that might be intimidating and then we shy away. But I feel like there are little things that you can take away from this book and insert it into how you interact with people day to day and it make it a little bit better for you as a person who has a relationship with themselves and as a person who has relationships with other people. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy because reading this book you may be inspired to make changes and they're not as well received as you would like. Some of them they are. And I feel like Nedra talks about this in the book a lot. Healthy relationships will thrive with healthy boundaries. But if you find that you have some relationships or one relationship where it seems like it is further strained or it brings up other things that need to be addressed and it doesn't go in a direction where it'll thrive or it will flourish with the boundaries and the communication then you know that's that's a relationship you have to reevaluate in terms of priority and importance so yeah it might not be easy but I, I think it's it's worth it I don't think I know I know it's worth it So that is my resounding recommendation for the book. And let me just talk a little bit about, a little bit. Like I said, there's no way I can talk about everything. But in terms of what I took away from it, just an example. In the chapter about work, boundaries at work, she stresses how you know, at work, you want to, especially if you're new, you want to make a good impression and you might feel like 
you have to do everything that you are tasked to do, everything you're assigned to do, even if it's not necessarily what you're supposed to do, you know, because you want to kind of build a good reputation as a good employee. But that's not always the case. That's not always the case. I think I think places of work and employers oftentimes, especially when you're new, because you have something to prove. You're made to feel like you have something to prove. When you're new, they'll push those boundaries, whether they have been explicitly communicated or not, whether you have any or not, whether you're aware of any. They'll push to see how much they can take from you, how much work they can get out of you if if you allow it. The example that I was referring to earlier was from a couple weeks ago. So like I said, I'm along with my precepting, which is a separate position, I'm also I I also work as a registered nurse in a separate capacity at um a behavioral health center. And I am a newer nurse. I'm a few months old there. I started like four months ago now, thereabout. I was on orientation for a few months. So I'm, I'm flying solo. I'm fr- finally flying solo. I'm no longer on orientation. And it's been about, it's been about a month since I have officially concluded orientation. So I've had a couple of shifts where I've just been by myself. And my second shift, my, my second shift on my own, I was on a unit where I was made charge nurse. And I was surprised. I was very surprised. But thankfully, it's a smaller unit. And maximum you ha- you can have is eight patients. So when I got there, I was like, I said hi to the day team who were about to transition out and they were going to give me the updates on the patients. And um, they told me that there is one there is one availability where a new patient might come in and i said oh so that means there could be a potential admission and an admission is when a new patient comes in and you process that new patient and they were like yeah that's that's a possibility in fact i would say it's 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 very much likely going to happen and i was like okay there were i hadn't been on this unit in a while and there were seven <clears throat> there were seven patients on the unit so i was like okay i'm going to i don't think i can take that admission that's the boundary that i was personally setting because even though I'm new at this job, I am not new to the workforce in general and how, you know, things can go if you are not clear about what you can and can't do. So 
I was thinking for myself being a new, still a new nurse in this environment and now being placed in charge of the, the patients already on the unit, which is about, it was seven, it was seven that day. So it's a manageable, it's a manageable load considering the expectations of what I needed to do to take care of the patients. I knew I could do it. I knew I could, I knew I could take care of the seven patients comfortably. But I knew that I would need any extra time outside of explicit care for the patients to reorient myself to the unit and make sure I'm doing everything else that needs to be done with the responsibilities of being the lead nurse on the unit that day. So I told the day team, I'm not, I don't think I can take the admission. Um, and they were like, I, under, I understand that, but it's not necessarily whether or not you can take it. It's if the patient is appropriate to be on the unit and you're not really um, able to decline. But then I said, I, I kind of made the case that I've already described. I said, I, I'm, a new, I'm still a new nurse to this facility. I'm just off orientation. This is my second shift off orientation. I'm going to be the only nurse on this unit with um, some help, but I'm going to be the only nurse responsible for seven patients on this unit. And I'm still new, and I need to reorient myself to this unit, and I need to be able to take care of the patients that are here. So I said, I think I'm going to have to call admin. And she was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I called admin, and I made the case. I said, I'm not going to take, I can't take this new admission. I don't feel comfortable taking this new admission because, like I said, this, you know, I'm new. I am taking care of these patients that are already here. Um, I have to reorient myself to this unit, and I don't think it's a good idea. I don't feel comfortable taking this new admission. And admissions take time. They do. Time that I don't think I would have had if I was still going to have to do the job that I need to do, which is priority, which is taking care of the patients, the seven patients under my care. So having made my case, they were like, okay, we will do everything we can to have the admission come on the next shift. I was like, okay, okay. And the admission did not come on my shift. The admission came on the next shift. And I was really proud of myself for speaking up because I feel like oftentimes, I won't say every employer does this, but a lot of them do. They push, they, re- they push really slowly. And like, sometimes it's not slow. Sometimes it's like pushing you into the deep end, but they really want to see how much they can they can get out of you, even if it is a lot, even if it's more than you should typically handle. Um, And personally, for me, I felt like doing this, not only is it important so that I can do the best job on that shift for the patients that are there, it was important for myself to set a precedent that, you know, 
I am going to be that staff member that speaks up for myself if I don't feel like I'm capable of doing something because I am thinking of the patients that are in my care and if I don't feel like I can give that care with the extra responsibilities, which in the grand scheme of things are not as urgent as what's right in front of me. You know, an admission is important, but in the field that I work in, it's it's very rarely life or death. So pushing an admission a few hours to the point where the nurse on the, the nurse on the next shift can handle it. There was nothing wrong with doing that. Um, so I I made the decision and made it early. I made that call half an hour into my shift, maybe even 20 minutes. Before I even got report, I made that call um, because that's the first thing they told me. I wanted to make sure I did it as early as possible, so I did that. Later on, uh, about an hour or so after the shift started, um, one of the admins came up to the units to ask how I was doing. I was like, everything is fine. Everything is going fine. You know, there's not, there's nothing, no complaints. Um, and then I reiterated to the admin nurse that I, I can't take that admission. And I, I, I stated my reasons again. Um, and I, I appreciate that they respected that. Um, because you might not get that everywhere, but I would have kept pushing because I was already so busy that shift. I had one or two patients that needed extra support and care. Um, And when I say that, I mean that they needed to constantly be monitored pretty much around the clock um, because of like certain tendencies. So Having to do that and potentially having to manage the processing of a new patient, I don't think it would have worked out. I don't think it would have worked out. So I'm really thankful to myself that I was not timid in that situation and that I was confident and I spoke up um, because I think also, too, the approach which you use to set a boundary is important you know if you come off unsure and not confident the person or oppose or 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 group that you are trying to make your case for you know might still push back and even maybe not respect that boundary and do what they want to do anyway. Um, Talking specifically in a work setting, but I made sure when I made that call that my voice did not shake. I was clear. I was concise. I reiterated a couple of times and that was it. No more, no less. And I think it translated over because there was no pushback. They said, okay, okay we will move the admission to the next shift. And they honored that. So I appreciate that. But none of that would have happened. That that accommodation on behalf of the admin staff wouldn't have happened if I didn't speak up. 
So you got to speak up with boundaries, like I have been saying from part one of this series. You can't just think up boundaries, you know, and that's a big theme in this book. You can't just think up boundaries. You have to speak them out loud, you know, respectfully, and you have to reiterate them. Like how I said it again when the admin nurse came on the unit to see how I was doing. I said it again, and I think that helped with reinforcing. And that ended up being a very good shift. I ended it confident. I ended it feeling I did a good job. Um, I ended it feeling like the patients that were, in, that were in my care were taken care of. But I don't think I would have felt that way had I taken that admission on. So you got to make sure that the expectations that are set for you in the workplace are expectations that you are comfortable with and that you can agree to wholeheartedly. And I know this is hard. It's so much easier said than done. It really is. And I think it also depends too on where you are in your life professionally. I don't know if I would have been so confident and vocal 10 years ago if I was a new nurse in my early 20s, you know, and I was given seven patients to take care of and I was told that I would have to handle the processing of a new patient, I don't know if I was, if I would have been so um, straightforward about what I could do and what I couldn't do. I think me having that capability of calling admin and telling them, no, I can't do this, comes from, you know, just getting older, getting a little older, having a little, some more experiences under my belt, especially in the workplace, um, seeing that employers will, despite what your expectations or official responsibilities are in the position, oftentimes they'll see if you will do more. They'll see if they can take a little bit more. They'll see if they can take a mile if you give them an inch. So I don't know if I would have been as um, confident if this was even five years ago, Um, but I think there are just certain... um, I think there are just certain things that come with age and experience to where you are just not as scared. You're not as scared anymore. And you're doing what you know is best for yourself. And in my case, I knew what I was doing was best for myself and best for the patients in my care. I'm not going to jeopardize myself as a professional in this healthcare setting, and I'm not gonna jeopardize the care of the patients that have been entrusted in me, to me. So I hope that example of instituting boundaries at work help a little bit for anyone who is listening. And, you know, it, it, it might not even be completely applicable to you, but maybe it, there's a little something you can take from there, take from, you know, what I shared. 
if you're able to next time something an expectation is placed on you at work that you don't you don't believe you can take on you know just respectfully saying I can't do this or at least I can't do this right now you know um or saying okay thank you for letting me know that you would like to get this done I already have a b and c on my task list let me know what you want me to deprioritize so that I can fit this new task in type of thing you know I feel like there are different ways and you also have to be it also depends on the relationship that you have with your employer too. Hopefully it's one where you feel comfortable to speak and say your boundaries and what you will and will not handle. Um, but sometimes even if it's not the best or the most cordial relationship, if you know that something of grave importance might be compromised or jeopardized. And I think in the case with me, it was particularly important to say something because I'm handling patient care. I I think that in, in situations like that, regardless of how it might be received, the most important thing is to say it. Because if, if it's never said, then there, there's nothing that you can lean on in terms of reference like you if you don't say it then you can't say I said it you know and yeah yeah I kind of feel like I'm rambling at this point but I hope that I was able to put my point across about that um Nedra has a, a few chapters in this book focused on different categories of boundary setting, like boundaries with family, boundaries with friends, boundaries with social media and technology, and boundaries with work. And I took a little bit of, I took a a little bit of something from every chapter, but when I read this work one, I was like, yeah, this is important. And it also, I think, was helpful to read knowing that I'm going to be transitioning into a new job soon, you know, and there's going to be an adjustment period and I'm going to be building a rapport and a relationship with the folks who I will be working with. And that is the time when things have not quite been set in stone yet to make clear what I will be able to to handle and what I will not be able to handle or at the very least, what I won't be able to handle right away. Yeah, yeah, so I really appreciated that in the book. That work chapter um, gives practical tools. So kind of veering away from the work topic and moving towards boundaries with yourself that's probably the part of the book that resonated with me the most because I've really been working on my relationship with myself over over the past few years at least and how like it starts with you it starts with your relationship with you 
you have to figure out how to trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do for yourself. You know, and that takes time. But it's a part of your relationship with yourself that's worth working on. Because your boundaries with yourself, you know, if, if, if you don't respect them, why expect anyone outside of you to adhere to them? You know, people treat you how you allow them to treat you. And people get cues on how to treat you based on how you treat yourself, you know? So I would probably say that was the most important part of the book for me. Boundaries with yourself can mean not talking to yourself in a negative way. Boundaries for yourself can mean showing self-compassion when you fall short. Boundaries for yourself can mean forgiving yourself when you make mistakes. Boundaries for yourself can mean making sure that you put your needs, you address your needs before you address any others pertaining to other, other people. Setting boundaries for yourself is your way of protecting yourself. You know, doing what you know is most important for your health and your well-being. I want to read an excerpt from the chapter, chapter nine, I believe. Yes, chapter nine. What are you doing to honor your boundaries? And Nedra gives a list of boundaries to consider when it comes to boundaries for yourself and self-care. So boundaries to consider. I say no to things I don't like. I say no to things that don't contribute to my growth. I say no to things that rob me of valuable time. I spend time around healthy people. I reduce my interactions with people who drain my energy. I protect my energy against people who threaten my sanity. I practice positive self-talk. I allow myself to feel and not judge my feelings. I forgive myself when I make a mistake. That one really resonates. (laughs) I got silent there because, you know, you'll read one of these and then you'll realize that, oh, wow, yeah, this applies to me. I actively cultivate the best version of myself. I turn off my phone when appropriate. I sleep when I'm tired. 
I mind my business. And I wrote next to that so simple yet so profound. (laughs) Sometimes we can, not even sometimes, we can avoid so much unnecessary, so many unnecessary things if we just focus on ourselves and not involve ourselves in external you know issues or whatever is going on you know you have to have discretion on what you know might on on where it might be helpful to involve yourself but honestly just focusing on what is in my what is my business just kind of focusing on that minding my business can help avoid so many issues. So I resonated with that too. Um, I make tough decisions because they're healthy for me. I create space for activities that bring me joy. I say yes to activities that interest me despite my anxiety about trying them. I experience things alone instead of waiting for the right people to join me. So I'm thankful to Nedra, not just for this excerpt, but she gives concrete examples about how to implement boundaries in your life throughout this book. This is literally just for how to do it for you. But when it comes to family, when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to technology, when it comes to friends, She gives step-by-step help for all of that. And that's why I say, even if you don't... Like like the list that I just um, mentioned here. Even if I take like... Even if I don't do everything, you know, because change, change takes time. But if I committed to taking one or two of these and just making them a priority and making those changes in my day-to-day life, it would exponentially enhance my life on a day-to-day basis. And tools like that are scattered throughout the book for different facets of your life to where if you take one or two things and you commit to implementing them on a regular basis, you will see positive change you will see improvement with yourself you will see improvement with how you interact with people in the world and overall you'll be happier you'll be happier so I say all this to say like I've been saying, this is a book worth buying. I, I believe I'm going to be referencing back to this book in the future um, because I'm sure that there are things that maybe don't apply too much right now, but, you know, might apply in the future and I might need a little bit of refreshing and reminders 
and encouragement. So yeah, that concludes my three-part series on the book Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra Glover Tawab. I'm holding this book in my hand right now, and I don't know if it's the same with other book lovers, but when you finish a book, it's almost like that's 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 a part of your life that has concluded, and now you have to move on to the other books. <laughs> You know, I, I go through that. I go through that with every book that I read. Um, there are books that I've read in the past that signify a particular time in my life, that signify a particular place that I lived. Um, you get attached to them, you know. You get attached to them. You remember how they impacted you. So I think this is going to be one of those books. Um yeah, I think I think I'm going to end the podcast episode here. I am nearing an hour of recording. I don't know how many minutes it'll be when I edit, but I hope that this series was helpful to whoever listened to the entire thing. If you are a listener, that listen to part one, part two, and part three, I want to say thank you so much for listening. If you are a listener who only listened to one part, if you are a listener to only listen to two or just listen to this one, I want to say thank you. Um, I appreciate everyone who makes the decision to click on my podcast episodes and press play you know because there's so much there's so much else that you could be doing there's so many other ways you could be spending your day but you're choosing to spend a part of it with me and hear my thoughts and my musings and how my week is going and you know I really 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 appreciate that I really do um So yeah, that's it. That's it. The next episode, I don't, I don't always say what the next episode is going to be. And in the trailer, I said I would. But I find that sometimes I might have something planned and it just doesn't work out that way. I might be pulled to go a different direction. So I've decided that unless I know absolutely what I'm going to talk about and nothing's going to change, then I won't say what the next episode will, what I won't say what the next episode will be about. But in this case, I know. Um, so the next episode is not going to be book focused. I am just going to turn on the microphone and press record and just talk. Um, just chat with you guys. I feel like I'm trying to find a balance with this podcast. There's an objective with this podcast. And the title of this podcast 
and the description lets you know what you're going to find when you press play. Um, so I'm trying to find a balance, but I am, I'm also finding too that I kind of use this as a little bit of like an audio diary, um, because it's an outlet for me to just reflect. And I'm a strong believer in, you know, sometimes you really feel alone in what you're feeling, but I'm reminding myself more and more that I'm probably not the only one feeling the way that I'm feeling in this moment. And even if it's helpful to just one person to share what I'm feeling, if it resonates with one person, then sharing that was the right decision. Because at the end of the day, we just don't want to feel alone, you know? So if a voice that is coming out of a speaker or headphones that you're listening to is making you feel a little bit better about what you're going through, and I'm that voice, then... I'm happy to share. So yeah, next episode is going to kind of just be me talking. And then we'll get back to the books and the mental health and, you know, everything else after that. So thank you guys for listening. If you want to reach out to me, please, please do email me at btbwpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's btbw podcast at gmail.com if you liked this episode please rate and review it on apple podcasts um hit subscribe on apple podcasts hit follow on spotify and please join this community and um come on this journey with me Please share it. Please recommend it to folks who you think will benefit from listening, who you think will connect with me. And I am looking forward to growing this community. So again, for like the third time, thank you guys for listening. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. All right. Bye. Thank you.